I'm James Day, and this is Focus on Pocus, a podcast about current topics in point-of-care ultrasound. We've had so many varied guests in the field over the past two or three years, so if you feel so inclined, click over to pocus.org where all the shows are archived. Also, please reach out to us if you have an interesting story to tell that revolves around all things ultrasound. This is an exciting day today here on the summer solstice. So we begin again another great summer season. We're going to start with Kate Dealing, a sonographer who's instructing medical students in POCUS. Kate has been the ultrasound instructor at Rowan University School of Osteopathic Medicine in Stratford, New Jersey, since the inception of of point-of-care ultrasound in the pre-clerkship medical curriculum in 2019. As part of the school's simulation center, she teaches first and second year medical students all modules of POCUS that include online education, a mannequin-based high-fidelity simulator, and live hands-on training sessions utilizing 10 ultrasound machines. Kate graduated from Thomas Jefferson University and has been practicing ultrasound for over 30 years in various capacities. Early in her career, Kate worked exclusively in pediatrics at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, starting the first ultrasound program there. Following her work as an application specialist, she went to work in perinatology in both academic institutions and private settings. Her husband is also a graduate sonographer from Thomas Jefferson University, and they had for many years operated as independent contractors, providing ultrasound services to radiology centers and several private offices. They have three adult children, including their oldest, who is a physician specializing in regional anesthesia at the University of Virginia and uses POCUS on a daily basis. Kate very much enjoys outdoor activities and traveling with family and friends, especially to U.S. national parks. Wow, that's a lot, Kate. And Kate, you guys are the ultimate ultrasound family. Yeah. I'm wondering if we should call you the ultrasonics instead of the dealings. <laughs> um, well, quite possibly, but we've been known as the uh, the ultrasound couple for sure <laughs> in a lot of the different places that we have worked. And so, yeah, it's, it's actually pretty interesting to have a spouse who is in the exact same career. And so we have a lot to talk about, a lot to share, a lot of knowledge to share, a lot of stories to share. It's uh, it's actually quite fun. So that's great. So your son, uh, who's now working physician, probably picked up on the whole POCUS thing from their you know, two ultrasonic parents. Yeah. So actually, my oldest is my daughter. And, you know, she went to medical school and really did not have any ultrasound education in medical school. So that's an interesting little Mm. story because here I am ultimately teaching point of care ultrasound to medical students. So she happened to go into anesthesia and as a regional anesthesiologist, you know, doing a lot of nerve blocks and whatnot, she uses ultrasound on a daily basis and obviously has become quite proficient at it. But, you know, so much of ultrasound is specialized, you know, just like many aspects of medicine is specialized. And so it's no different. So even though she's incredibly proficient in doing point of care ultrasound in her field, that doesn't mean that she has the same ability to perform ultrasound on, say, an OB patient or a cardiac study or things like that. So one of the things that I think is true about ultrasound is that 
since its birth, it really very much has um, kind of divided into specialized areas. And anesthesia is just one of them. And as you can imagine, cardiology, and OB, vascular, MSK, sure. it just goes on and on and on. Right. It's kind of you get placed in one little orbit and that's it. And that's the beauty of POCUS. It's short it exams of many things. And you know what's interesting? It looks like we've worked at the same places and had pretty much similar trajectories in this regional area. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's funny. You know, you're over at Thomas Jefferson and CHOP and we were in applications and we taught at the yeah. Sim Centers and stuff. It's, it's yeah. funny. So yeah, just right out, I want to know, how, how did you begin your career in sonography and how did you wind up teaching at Rowan? Yeah, so my career in sonography actually dates back pretty far. So I started in ultrasound at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital in Philadelphia when ultrasound was very much in its infancy. I would say that my husband and I actually were one of the first, kind of dating myself here, but probably one of the first classes that went through Jefferson. And so from there, upon graduation, I went out, and actually my husband as well, um, we went out and we were in a position to start at centers, and, and my first position was at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, where we actually just started the first ultrasound department that they oh, had wow. there. So again, you can see how far this yeah. dates back. Yeah. So I was one of only two sonographers as we started up at Children's mm -hmm. Hospital and stayed there for five years and then moved on, as you said from uh, earlier, that I moved into applications and then into the perinatal world and then into the general radiology world, uh, of which I spent many many, many years in both, you know, radiology settings and also in some private practices. So it's been very diverse, very fun, very mm -hmm. enlightening, and felt like I have uh, learned a lot over those years. And the one thing that I will say is that I feel like I'm the biggest cheerleader for ultrasound, <laughs> even after all these years. You know, I've got to see it from its infancy to where mm -hmm. it is now and, you know, really, really continue to uh, embrace it and to become an advocate for it. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking a little bit pre-show and my experience is different than yours. When I was teaching point of care ultrasound to all the way up to residencies, uh, up to 40 hours a week. What happened, it seemed like a trend happened in ultrasound where initially they had sonographers instructing in the medical schools and then they moved it over to anatomists. And I think one of the philosophies behind that trend was that it was easier to teach anatomists point of care ultrasound than teach sonographers all the muscle and anatomy and the cadaver anatomy to that. Mm -hmm. So why do you think that trend occurred beyond that? And how is your experience at Rowan? Is it similar? Yeah. So my experience at Rowan is probably a little bit different. So I did specifically ask the assistant dean of curriculum who actually hired me in 2019. So in 2019, they decided they wanted to incorporate point-of-care ultrasound into their curriculum for medical students in the pre-clerkships years. So that's the first and the second mm -hmm. year. So while they're still doing all their didactic education and they haven't even gone out into their clinical rotations yet. And so what she had said to me was that they actually very specifically look for 
a sonographer because they felt that the sonographers were more globally educated in ultrasound. And what I mean by that is that they were the users. So many times, you know, the physicians who read the studies, you know, whether it be radiologist or perinatologist or whoever, you know, cardiologist, you know, many times they don't quite have the hands-on experience that obviously sonographers would. Mm -hmm. And as you know, point of care ultrasound is all about being the user, right? right? So anyone who's going to pick up a transducer and try to use this technology on a patient bedside, they are the user. So therefore, they have to be the one who has the most comfort and confidence in what it is that they're looking at and not just whatever the resultant image may be. So I do feel that point-of-care ultrasound is a bit unique in that way. And so I think that, you know, they were very forward-thinking when they were looking for someone to fill their position as an ultrasound instructor, realizing that it actually is the sonographers who might best serve in that capacity for them. You know, again, I can only speak for what they told me, meaning like what they thought would be the best person in that role. But I kind of agree with them for someone like you and I, James, who have been doing ultrasound for decades. You know, we have garnered a lot of experience, you know, not only doing the studies, but also interpreting them because obviously you have to know what you're looking at and you have to be able to identify what it is that you are seeing and to make sure that you are recognizing a real finding as opposed to an artifactual type of finding. So there's a lot that goes into it. And so I feel that sonographers do serve and a really good role to teaching any new learner, especially the non-traditional learners, which is what point-of-care ultrasound is all about. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. (laughs) I totally agree with that. It's unfortunate the way it's gone at some universities, but I recognize Rowan as being very innovative and broad-minded. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you about, you know, your first and second year students, your pre-clerkships. Sure. Are they understanding the value of POCUS since they have not yet been in a clinical setting? So it's interesting. The first and second year as they come in, you know, they are very much into just the didactic education and they have not had a lot of experience in a clinical setting yet. So when we introduce this technology to them in the simulation center, they are actually very excited about what the potential is for them as far as being able to use it Mm -hmm. in their practice down the road or even in their clerkships and and most definitely into their residence. So they have not really had a lot of background in ultrasound other than if they've ever had an ultrasound, you know, prior to coming in or if they've had, you know, the opportunity to see an ultrasound. So when they come in, they're actually, yes, very excited about the technology and very, very anxious to, to learn it. That's very true. They're all they're all extremely, and they get to actually see so the cardiac motion and yes. the valves opening and, and such like that. And yeah, and I agree. And I, when we taught, we would integrate it into our physical exam. So we would have one on one. Then we would have a, a practice lab, and then a lot of schools follow the same thing. And then they create a, an ultrasound club, and there's um, more time for hands on. So. Uh, I guess this leads to me, what's the most difficult thing to overcome when you're teaching to the medical students? 
or the residents or for that matter, the faculty? So probably what I would say is one of the most difficult things for a new user is for them to be able to correlate the anatomy that they know with the ultrasound image. Mm -hmm. So I think that when they first start scanning, like I'll say, oh, that is the pancreas or that is the liver. And they're very much used to looking at their textbooks, right? Or their or their apps. Like they know what a liver looks like. They know what a pancreas looks like. But then to translate that image into an ultrasound image for them is sometimes uh, quite difficult. And then many times if I am, you know, working with some of the staff or even some of the residents that are not, uh, you know, active learning anatomy like the first and second years are like they tend to forget like oh the sma oh yeah i do remember the sma what does that come (laughs) off of again what is that supposed to look like so again you know it's definitely something for the user to be able to as you know i mean knowing anatomy is essential to being good at ultrasound sure and I, i think that for them to either become refreshed on their anatomy and for like i said the first and second year who are more actively learning anatomy i think that that is probably the hardest thing for them to to translate what they know it should look like to the ultrasound image would you agree based on your own experience yeah i i think uh you know we've done the same work we started out with using the ultrasound for IJ insertion, yeah. and now it's become a standard of care. Absolutely. You, know, you can't hit your residency until you've done a few on the, you know, the yeah. simulator, the task trainers. Absolutely. And then, you know, those are procedural. And then, of course, when you embrace the diagnostic, the only thing I, I think, and I can include myself in this, is getting some of the MSK down when you first initially, you know, yes. what muscles are where, because you get, you know, a broad stroke of that. Yes. You get more as a physician. And speaking of this generation, what I've noticed, don't you feel that they've embraced the technology and they are not fearful of it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They are not fearful of technology at all. I think that they were born with technology in their hands. They probably don't know a world without technology. So, no, I don't think that they are all fearful of it. However, the one thing that I will say, they're not necessarily fearful of the technology, but I do try to instill in them a little bit of a fear of not being overconfident of what it is that they are looking at. Because as you know, with ultrasound, it is 100% operator dependent, which means that as an operator, you need to be able to be very certain of what it is that you're looking at and also to be able to interpret that image, whether it be a positive finding or a negative finding. Because then what these guys are doing as physicians are they are taking what it is that they're interpreting and then applying it to that patient's care. And you can imagine that if they are not interpreting things correctly or if they're missing something, then that is very much adversarial to the patient's care that they might decide to act on for that patient. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's very true. I I agree with that. I think it's analogous to a musical instrument. You know, some people are at different levels Yeah. You know, with their ultrasound, they're just starting or they're intermediate or they're advanced or they're very confident in the, you know, the the actual skill part of that. Exactly. Then there's the interpretation part. Yes. So you're an educator and a registered sonographer. 
What do you think about the need or the benefit of getting some sort of POCUS certification, however that may be? Many of my students, interestingly enough, ask me if there is some type of POCUS certification. Mm -hmm. And what I tell them, especially like coming out of the medical school here, is that we're not obviously in a position to give them a certification. I mean, clearly when they start their residency or if they're applying for their residency and going into their clerkship, you know, they can say that, you know, they have had some point of care ultrasound experience early in their medical education, which which in itself goes a long way. But I do advocate for them to go out and to get certified if they can find the means and the time to do that. And again, if they are a first or second year, they're very much, you know, inundated and really very novice users of ultrasound. But definitely some of the residents that we've encountered have asked me about certification. And, uh, you know, certainly I try to send them your way uh, as far as your POCUS certification site. And, you know, hopefully they, they look into it. It, um, because I think it would be a wonderful thing for them to be able to, like I say, say that they are certified. That's probably more your expertise than mine, honestly. No, the training, it's all the complete package wherever the, you know, the certification happens. Ultrasonographers like you and myself, we, we have a credential. Yes. And POCUS is so varied. You know, there's yes. so many scans from EFAST to complicated MSK, sure. uh, dynamic scans like that. Yeah. And then the procedural. So, yeah, it's like we were talking about earlier. You know, we're in our infancy with this. Yes. It's like when you and I first started, we pushed around washing machine size ultrasound yeah. machines. Yeah. And I uh, had to move a ventilator and cram it into a little ICU. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now it's all handheld or laptop. It's great. I mean, wow. Yeah. Right. It's great. And it's interesting. So, you know, one of the things that I like to tell the students is that ultrasound is not new. Obviously, it's been around a long time. You and I just spoke about ultrasound being in its infancy decades ago. Mm -hmm. I say, but what I like to say is that I almost feel like this is ultrasound 2.0. And that's just something that I kind of made up for them so that they can get a sense of, you know, where POCUS falls in this. So the technology is there. Obviously, it's improved with resolution and portability and things yes. like that. Imaging quality, um, said, too. Yes. Yeah, yeah, imaging quality for, for certain. Um, I said, but the exciting thing is, is that it's the non-traditional users who get to utilize this technology ultimately for the um, improvement of patient care and right. efficiency. These are the patients that come in, whether they are blunt trauma patients and they're coming into the ER and you have to do a fast exam to decide whether or not, you know, they need to go to the OR for an X-lap or someone who just comes in and complains of, you know, postprandial right upper quadrant pain because they just came back from a restaurant, you know, and you want to sure. take a look and see if they have gallstones. You know, all of those things and the reduction in time of diagnosis is amazing for patient care. So I think that is the, like I said, like I like to call it ultrasound 2.0 because it's the technology, but now it gets to be used bedside and not necessarily having to send all of these patients to radiology, whether it be in the ER or, you know, giving them a slip and saying, oh, go to your doctor and come back to me uh, in two weeks and we'll talk about it. Like that delay of care sometimes is very difficult for patients. Yes. Well, listen, Kate, it was great having you on today's podcast, Focus on POCUS. It's 
quite a thrill for us here at the Focus on Poker staff, Dave and I and the rest of the folks involved here. So keep on instructing our healthcare providers in bedside ultrasound. And thanks for your long career. <laughs> and I was laughing yes. at earlier when we were talking, what a fight it used to be, you know, to get a decent image and to yes, exactly. present something where someone could make, you know, put their yeah. career and stuff on the line and say, hey, this is X or yeah. this is not X. Right. And to make it believable. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. I think that, you know, you and I probably have really gotten to uh, appreciate just how far ultrasound has come considering what we remember, um, you know, sometimes not even having real time images, just having static images and trying to to identify certain things that, yeah. So it's really super exciting. And like I said, I'm the biggest cheerleader for ultrasound, the biggest fan. And I feel it is going to be such a game changer, but also become very much the standard of care in medicine across many, many specialties. That's awesome. Just real quick. Where was your last national park you went to? Oh, so last year we went to three. We went to Yellowstone. Wow. um, Which I'm glad we went last year and not this year because of all the um, flooding. Right. Um, We went to Glacier National Park um, in northern Montana. uh, And we also hit the Tetons. So it was. Wow. So you you got to see that before it's gone. (laughs) Yeah, The glaciers. Yeah. 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 yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, that's that's an interesting story uh, in itself. But yeah, I love it. Um, and this year we actually plan a trip to Yosemite. So we're hoping that uh, we get to we get to see that and that there's no fires out there in September that will prohibit us from doing that. So. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you might have to switch that to Acadia. That's a fun place, too. I know. I did that a long time ago. I'll tell you, James, I did that a long time ago. Um, but you're right. Sometimes it might have to to switch and do something drivable if you can't fly there either. So. <laughs> That's right. So listen, Kate, it's been awesome. Um, and uh, everyone, uh, don't forget for more POCUS style topics, follow us on Facebook at POCUS Cert Academy and Twitter at POCUS Academy. Thanks so much, Kate. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.